Welcome to my series on demystifying the DSM. The DSM is the book that psychiatrists and psychologists and counselors use to diagnose mental health conditions. And I'm going through this series and I'm going disorder by disorder, talking about what is the diagnostic criteria and how do we treat that. I'm Christy Bundakumar, psychiatric nurse practitioner with over 20 years of clinical experience. And I believe that my purpose is training and equipping both professionals and individuals to really embrace the journey of mental strength and uh, feel in control of their mental health. So in this series, we're going through the DSM and we are on the chapter of feeding and eating disorders. And today we are talking about rumination disorder, not to be confused with rumination as a thought process, but this is rumination, a feeding disorder. So each of these DSM disorders have criteria that need to be met for it to uh, be considered a rumination feeding disorder. So what is rumination feeding disorder? It is when someone is regurgitating, repeatedly regurgitating their food. And sometimes they even re-chew the food, re-swallow the food, or might spit it out, okay? Now, for it to be a psychiatric disorder, right? That's what the DSM is about, psychiatric, psychological, mental health disorders. It can't be a medical condition. And so criteria B is that it is not a medical condition. And rumination disorder can actually happen as young as three months old. So it has been documented in as young as three months old. And it is this behavioral regurgitation of food. Now, we don't ever want to assume that it's a behavioral disorder before we rule out a medical disorder. So criteria A is that repeated regurgitation of food over three months, sometimes rechewing or re-swallowing. Criteria B is that it's not from a medical condition like reflux. So gastroesophageal reflux is when contents of your stomach come up uh, you know, and maybe come back into your mouth or give you heartburn, but it is, it is a dysfunction of the stomach and the swallowing and digestive process. It is not a behavior. And so it is very important in rumination feeding disorder that we have sent them to GI, that they have done the test, that they have said that this is not a medical condition, that it is a behavior before we give this diagnosis. Okay. Criteria C is that it is not another eating disorder. So it's not anorexia nervosa. It's not bulimia nervosa, which we will talk about in the weeks uh, moving forward. It's not avoidant restrictive disorder. Okay. Rumination can be a symptom or regurgitation can be a symptom of some of those other disorders, but it would be important to actually diagnose the anorexia or the bulimia or the avoidant restrictive so that the treatment choices can be more comprehensive. Criteria D is that it's not due to an intellectual disability or an autistic spectrum disorder. And I talk about this with PICA as well. But if it is severe enough that it is causing 
significant functional impairment, then we do need to um, treat it separately and make sure that we're doing that. So why, why would someone do that? Why? So this is from all the way from infancy to adulthood, you could be diagnosed with this rumination feeding disorder. But what, what is the why underneath that? We don't exactly know, and it likely is different in each person, but it is a maladaptive coping. They, those that can speak that have it will talk about it kind of being a habit. They don't feel like they have control over it. Um, it's even been described, especially in infancy and young children, that it's self-soothing, that it's almost like a self-stemming type behavior. Like it's a it's a maladaptive coping, but it feels good. It feels like it's working. And so therefore the behavior continues. So in adults or people with the ability to abstract think, cognitive behavioral therapy is the treatment of choice. What is going on in your thoughts before this happens? And can we find other coping skills, other um, soothing things instead of this regurgitation would be the treatment of choice. In children, it's behavioral. Um, even in young children, uh, more like in that behavioral model. I talk about this in the PICA video as well. Let's look if there are other comorbid uh, conditions, especially once we get to school age and above. Are there things, psychotropic medications that might contribute to an improvement? So let's say that this regurgitation is happening around anxiety. Anytime the child or adult gets anxious, they do this behavior. Well, let's look at that anxiety. Let's diagnose the type of anxiety. Is this generalized anxiety? Is it a specific phobia? And let's treat that. I have um, several videos on anxiety disorders, but typically the treatment of choice and anxiety is starting with an antidepressant. Can um, decreasing the overall anxiety decrease this kind of regurgitation behavior? So always, if you're an individual learning these things because you have symptoms or your family member has symptoms, or you are a professional going through and trying to learn about all of these disorders, remember to think of the whole person and what other diagnoses or symptoms are going on that maybe could be treated with psychotropic medication. And, um, but cognitive behavioral therapy, if it's isolated rumination feeding disorder by itself, cognitive behavioral therapy, if they're capable or behavioral therapy for young children or for intellectually uh, delayed or autistic spectrum disorder would be more of kind of the behavioral therapy around that. But again, if they're using it for self-soothing, self-stem, what can you replace it with? What can we replace it with that might be a healthier um, self-stem? You know, in adults able to do cognitive behavior, what can we replace this maladaptive coping? What can we replace it with that's healthy and actually works for that client? So that is our rumination feeding disorder in our feeding and eating disorder chapter. So continue following as we demystify the DSM.